Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope You Hear This podcast. And today I talked to my pastor, Pastor John, about kind of the similar things that we've been talking about with my past guests, Junie and Jessica. Unfortunately, there's another incident, another murder that we have to talk about, um, George Floyd. But I really wanted to get into how the Asian American church, his response has been to these acts of murder and violence and racism and whether it's adequate or not. So uh, please take a listen. And this is the ongoing dialogue. So if you have any feedback, please feel free to reach out. So thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. And we have a a returning guest. This is kind of crazy to say, but you were with us over a year ago. Um, yes. I was looking it up, and this is episode 73, but you were on episode 11, so very yeah. early on. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, this is uh, we have Pastor John Kim on. He, I've known him for a very long time. He's a very good friend, a very good young, and he is my pastor at my church. So I'm super excited to have you on with us today. Um, thank you for coming. Hey, David. Always honored. Uh, honored to be back with the I Hope They Hear This family and uh, all the listeners out there. Of course, sharing time with you and having conversations. This is what we do all the time. So uh, I'm yes. happy and glad and excited to be back on. Thanks for welcoming me yeah. back. Yeah. So um, for the listeners who have been listening to the most recent episodes, uh, one of the things that I've been doing I, I, yeah, I guess it's kind of focused on a single uh, topic for now, but mm. we've just been talking a lot about kind of the incidences that have been happening. Um, uh, we, we, I talked to Junie before we even knew the whole Ahmad Arbery thing happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to Jessica specifically about that incident, and um, we weren't planning on talking about this, or at least I wasn't because I wasn't aware this happened, but. Um, I, I think before the whole George Floyd thing was, you know, publicized and went viral, uh, we, we I said I wanted to continue having this conversation. So yeah. um, it's unfortunate, um, but we we just have another thing to talk about today. Um, and the thing I wanted to talk uh, specifically about with you, Pastor John, is mm-hmm. um, the Asian American. I, I guess you know I, I say Asian American, but. I'm going to go specific today. I want to talk about the Korean American churches kind of response to what's kind of been happening. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, what what does it look like? Uh, is it adequate? Is it not adequate? You know, what, what could it look like? You know, all, all those yeah. kind of things. So, yeah, the first question I wanted to ask you, Pastor John, is um, the George Floyd thing is very recent. So I don't right. know how much we can speak on that. But at least with the incident with... Uh, Ahmad Arbery. Yeah. What do you feel like the Korean American church's response has been? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, in, in my church, we get the Korean church newspaper, the Christian Times. And so I pick it up, kind of look through the headlines, things like that. Uh, but also with our church, our church has a staff um, that's like a little bit over a dozen people. So just monitoring conversations. Um, of course, with COVID 19, we haven't had that kind of normal interaction with church members so it's hard to get a gauge of like individuals or pockets of groups and what they're talking about Uh, but i would say there is a wide spectrum of the response um, but the bulk of the response honestly is a lot of silence Um, a lot of silence in the sense of uh, this doesn't have to do with us this is america's problem 
if you talk to a lot of first generation immigrants, um, uh, you know, when they look at social issues in America, they don't think it's their problem. They don't think it's related to them. Uh, and so uh, I think a lot of the response is no response. A lot of the response is just silence in, in the whole matter um, and in not even being informed on what's happening most of the time. Um, so I think that's one end of it. And it's hard for me to put a number or percentage on how much or how many people fall in that category. Um, but I would say the bulk of it is along those lines. Uh, then the other side is not just the first generation Korean Americans, but second and third generation. And on that side, uh, I would say more of the millennials and younger generation. I think there is more of an outcry. Uh, and then the outcry is kind of uh, spread out in different categories as well. There's the outcry of uh, let's just do let's focus on the perpetrators, the ones who are the suspects, um, like in the Ahmad Arbery case, the McMichaels. Right. Those mm -hmm. the father and son. Um, and then there is the other side that says justice through them is not enough. There's a systemic oppression going on. And so let's outcry on, on, on behalf of the African-American community. Um, and it gets into a, a much more diverse political kind of conversation there. And, and, and right. people take strong opinions about it. I've, you know, um, I'm not a, a stranger to social media, so I've seen, you know, other pastors, other church leaders, other people in the church um, put out their personal feelings and opinions uh, about it um, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of those places. And um, there's there's some really strong opinions uh, crying out uh, against some of these things. Hmm. And one interesting thing that I, I recently thought about is, you know how you were talking about um, there's like a demarcation of uh, responses, right? And the line is kind of the generational line. The yeah. first generation being... And optically, again, like we can't speak on the actual numbers or the percentage, but at least right. from our optics, it, it looks like they're mostly just being silent and kind of sticking to themselves. But like you were saying, the millennials and uh, and beyond or younger are, are being yeah. more um, vocal about it. And do you think so? Because one thing that's kind of changed from, let's say, like 10, 15 years ago is the fact yeah. that a lot of the millennials are actually in you know, pastoral and leadership positions within the churches. Um, right. Might, might not be um, like head pastor, but the, like, like you yourself, you are the youth and the EM English ministry pastor at our church. And yeah. a lot of your peers are you know, English, pa English ministry pastors at their churches. Right. But do you feel like. Um, because of there, there's a difference in the type of response we're giving now in kind of this generation because our leaders are, um, you know, second or third generation like ourselves? Um, you know, I would start my answer to that question by saying we always want informed leaders. And I would hope we want more thoughtful, uh, well-cultured, uh, plugged in leaders um, and that's what we want. I mean, we, you're right. I mean, a lot of my peers and, and what I would call in the Korean language, my seniors, uh, people who have been in the pastoral ministry, uh, who are in their 50s and 40s, uh, truly 1.5 or second generation, uh, you know, they're much more well versed in these kinds of um, situations, current events and news. Um, and, and from them, yes, there is a more thoughtful response. Um, but I just 
as I'm saying that, I hope that more and more leaders would carefully consider their response before just, Mm -hmm. you know, like reactively putting it out there on social media uh, and just really think about, you know, uh, how can someone who might not be so well versed or not be so thoughtful as you are, take your comments and then say, hey, my leader is saying this. So let's take it to the next step or the next level. And let's let my response out there be uh, pushed up a notch. So one of the things that I really want to say is um, it's good, I think, in my opinion, it's good to be angry at murder, hatred and violence. Hmm. But you have to be wise in how you craft those words and how you put it out there, because then other people who are less well versed or less thoughtful um, can take that response and say let's perpetrate and expand and amplify the angry righteous response that my pastor has and take it to the next level and 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 it causes Mm -hmm. like this idea of like mass hysteria that expands to uh, exponential proportions as it goes out from the influencer the influencer themselves might have an opinion that's kind of within the boundaries of a very thoughtful, thought-provoking, well-thought-out um, kind of stance. But other people might take that and expand it to something that it shouldn't be um, and, and take it to different levels that can then go on to what we might say is irresponsible or, or, or you know, in, in a lot of senses, maybe detrimental to the, to the entirety of the conversation that we're trying to have rather than be helpful. Do do you feel like that's a newer issue that we're having? Because previously our leaders were our parents, right? And right. The first generation they've mostly been kind of silent about these issues, um, but mm. now that we have you know leaders that are like second generation, um, do you feel like we're going to start having issues where, like you were saying, there's an amplification of righteous anger and like a distortion into violent, unproductive anger? I mean, I think it's with, with, you know, with human kind of society and and the way that we work. um, Yeah, it's like the game of telephone. The message will always be passed on. It's just a matter of what message gets passed on. And Mm -hmm. and it's it's just a matter of uh, understanding like that that's going to it's going to happen. I think to your question. Yes. Um, Frankly, I think it will continue to happen that way. But, you know, I I would also say um, it's not a new phenomenon. Uh, Honestly, with a lot of first generation Koreans that I've seen uh, in the the church, um, like, for for instance, if the senior pastor has a stance of saying uh, a lot of times they'll lead prayer and, and something will come out like, let's pray against that North Korean leader and let's pray for his demise then the, the congregation just kind of takes on that from their leader and they'll hold that to heart. But if the leader, the senior pastor, begins to pray like, hey, let us pray for um, wisdom and peace and unity to be brought back to the Korean Peninsula. Let's pray for the political leaders of the North and the South that they would come to agreement. Then the congregation takes that on and, and makes that their kind of core belief of what they see. 
So a unification versus non-unification kind of conversation within the Korean American church, uh, especially the immigrant Korean church, has been happening for a very long time. And then the way that people get swayed is that, hey, their senior pastor kind of puts their opinion out there and Mm -hmm. they just kind of take it on for themselves. So this phenomenon, I don't think is a new thing, uh, especially in cultural issues uh, within the church. Um, Yeah, it's been happening for a long time and it's only going to continue. Hmm. Do you then do you feel like it's a beneficial thing that leaders are being more vocal in in our like Korean American church community, or do you feel like it's a more detrimental thing? Because the the, know, the silence might you know just kind of keep everyone in the status quo, but a vocal leader there's potential for something going, a, a message being distorted you know throughout yeah. the vi- grapevine and you know inciting some sort of violence or something right yeah um you know there's always that key word use wisdom you know be mm-hmm. thoughtful uh, be discerning about what you say or what you don't say um you know leaders cannot and this goes for not just church leaders but leaders of any organization um mm-hmm. it could be whether you are you know leading a company a nonprofit. It could even be where you have a small business and you're leading your employees. It could even be that you're the husband and father of a household. What you say and what you don't say is going to matter. And so, you know, we always have to find ourselves in a fine balance between, like, let's say, for instance, if we don't say anything, then our silence seems to be a message that we're condoning things and letting things go, that we're not... Like, for instance, in, in the case of a husband and father, if, if a child is misbehaving and you don't say anything, then your, your child's misbehaviors are only going to continue. They're not going to stop. All right. And then, but then the other way, you know, we can't just be uh, dictators and control all the ideas and all the philosophies and all the ways of thinking of our people either. A father cannot just force their children to just do as just they say without any f- personal freedom given to that child as well. So that, that would be an abuse of power that we, don't, we do not want to have. Uh, and even for pastors or leaders of any organization, you don't want to become that kind of dictator. So we can't be totally passive. We can't be totally authoritative. Uh, it, it's got to be a fine balance. So uh, to young leaders, and, and I hope to hear this one day at a pastor's conference Maybe hope to speak about it one day at a pastor's conference. But you really have to be wise and pick, your cho- and, pick and choose certain topics that you do speak out about. Um, and of course, uh, for each their own, you know, they're going to be passionate about certain things versus others. Uh, some people are going to get passionate about immigration, let's say. Some people mm-hmm. are going to be passionate about topics like Ahmad Arbery and George Floyd, about um, perceived kind of systemic oppression and racism things like that and other people are going to be passionate about slavery that's happening today you know Mm. all the things that we're dealing with right now this week with george floyd and all that stuff um you know the social justice warriors out there will say you know this is all a product of americans uh the american slavery system that we've had it's been abolished for 150 years but we haven't made any progress and yet we're not talking about slavery that's still happening today sometimes. Um, So, I mean, people get passionate about different topics here and there. And and so my stance would be just, you have to be wise and and pick and choose uh, where you speak and where you don't. Um, And if you do speak, 
Uh, I think the greatest choice that you can make is whether you speak about it privately or speak about it publicly. Whether you want to just throw a blanket statement and throw your opinion out there on social media, or you gather with your people face to face, or actually right now we can't do face to face, but you know what I mean? Like gather with yeah. your people face to face and have open, honest conversations like this. Um, or, you know, you meet with people one on one and find out where people stand on certain things and then talk through it that way. I think the I think really the greatest choice, the wisest choice that a leader has to make all the time is whether you're going to do it publicly or privately, whether you're going to mm-hmm. do it from a passenger seat in a car or you're going to do it from a pulpit or you're going to do it from your Instagram account like, you know. That, those are the kinds of decisions that you have to make as a leader because your words are going to carry weight um, and yeah. it's going to influence people and sway people sometimes. And, and because, to be honest, people get passionate about things. Uh, but to be honest, most people are very apathetic about most things. Uh, mm-hmm. So they, if they hear an opinion of a person that they trust, especially a church leader, someone in pastoral ministry, um, without even thinking twice about it, they might take that opinion as their own. Uh, so you got to kind of, yeah, it, it's a multi-layered kind of thought process that needs to happen before you decide to do anything. Um, hopefully, yeah. your people that you lead are more thoughtful and well-versed on things that are happening in the world. Um, but if they're not, part of your job might be that you need to educate them and inform them about things that are happening. Um, and then have thoughtful conversations afterwards. And hopefully yeah. they're doing it all through, this is my last point, but hopefully mm-hmm. they're doing it all through the, the, the lens of faith in Jesus Christ first and foremost. Because we're talking right here today with you. Uh, I'm talking today about a church response, right? So it needs to be through the lens of faith. Like what does our faith say? What does our Lord Jesus say about oppression and oppressors? Uh, and, and how to deal with them and how to approach them, how to deal with your enemies, even people who have maybe been violent against you, angry against you, who have really brought you down and, and their sole cause in life is to destroy you. What does Jesus say about that? Mm-hmm. You know, and and as spiritual leaders, as pastoral leaders, be talking more about those kinds of things rather than the actual political nature of things. I, I think that's what, mm. that would be a good way to kind of go about it as young or middle-aged or millennial or second, third generation pastoral leaders. Mm. You know, that's, that's actually really eye-opening because um, I think it's a very good point that leaders need to be much more wise and careful with the words, especially knowing that uh, taken out of context, it can have detrimental effects, and it can, you know, be counterproductive to you know the message that they're trying to spend, spread. Right. So yeah, um, if I'm being really frank, I I have felt in, you know, not specifically with these most recent incidences, but in the past, I felt that sometimes the church leaders of of the Korean American church were kind of delayed in their response. And mm. I thought that that delay was detrimental to actually doing something positive, you know, standing for justice. But mm-hmm. now knowing how much rides on how they word things and, and the things they choose to say, it actually makes sense that they take their time. Um, because 
obviously they probably you know need to pray about it you know go into scripture and and try to really formulate a wise response right it's not just a off-the-cuff um just reaction yeah I, i mean i think it would be irresponsible i know that's a harsh word but it would be irresponsible mm. to just throw out off the cuff like um comments and thoughts um mm. yeah i mean we live in a, a twitter verse world um and and twitter is that right it's just you just put your immediate thoughts out there um yeah. but it, it yeah i, I it's yeah, a, another podcast for another day but um <laughs> <laughs> that that is just so dangerous. You're playing with fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As James tells so, us, you know, in the in the in the scriptures, you know, the tongue can be fire. It it, it can yeah. really destroy and kill. Uh, so right now in our world, uh, our tongues look like fingers, and and they're on keyboards, um, and, and you're putting your words out there, but you really need to be thoughtful before you put it out there. Yeah, James chapter three verse one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and you kind of alluded to um, when these things happen, church leaders yeah. need to be talking more about kind of Jesus's response, right? What what would have what would Jesus have said about these things? Yeah. Um, do you have uh, any thought yet? I mean, if you don't have any yeah. thought yet, in light of what we talked about, please, uh, no, feel free to say no. no I decline no. to comment. Take your time, but do you have any response to you know what what's what's been happening with like George Floyd, uh, Ahmad Arbery? Like, do you what do you feel like like Jesus's yeah. response to these things would have been? Um, yeah, man, that, that makes it so weighty again to to say that this is what <laughs> Jesus would say. No, uh, let me just go from um, you know just what I have kind of understood and lived in life. Um, I, mm. I just preface it by saying like. Um, in a good and bad way, uh, in my personal story, in my personal life, uh, I am not a stranger to violence. Um, I have experienced uh, moments, a, a moment where I saw my own father uh, get beat senseless in front of my eyes on the streets where we used to live. Um, I remember crying in my mother's arms, watching him get beat by three men uh, late at night uh, near our home. Uh, I remember crying in her chest as we rode the ambulance to the hospital. Um, so that I remember um, the terror in my, in my mom's eyes when I was a little bit older. Her telling me another story where my father again got kidnapped at knife point and driven around the city uh, by a, like a madman, like, like just demanding him wow. to drive. Um, so I've seen that um, in ministry. You know, I've held the hands of a mother who lost a young college son to gun violence. Uh, I've stood by that family during the funeral and just their grieving process and their mourning process and, and kind of going through what they had to go through in that moment. So, you know, all these instances kind of shape my view on how I see these things. Um, and so all that to say, first and foremost, um, I know, David, you and I were talking more about Ahmad Arbery first. Um, but I would say, first and foremost, um, there is no condoning hunting people down, whether you think they have committed a burglary or not, whether you think they have committed a crime or not. I mean, I understand the whole uh, community police watch and like 
citizens' arrests and things like that.、Uh, we want citizens to stand up for what is right. We want people、uh, to be able to kind of、uh, protect each other and not just protect their own.、Uh, but there is no condoning like hunting someone down in the middle of the street while they're on a jog.、Uh, if you suspect something of them, then. They should just call the authorities. They should, you know, take the proper steps. Not load themselves with a gun and then go hunt them down as if, you know, they're going on a deer hunt or something.、Uh, so that all that to say, I think that's、uh, what needs to happen.、Um, so proper justice being served、uh, is what I would want to see. And I think in the state of Georgia, for some of your listeners who might not be from the state of Georgia,、um, you know, last week. The attorney general of Georgia appointed a prosecutor from Cobb County, which is over, I think, about two hundred fifty, almost three hundred miles away from the district of Brunswick.、Uh, and so the state of Georgia is trying to do its part.、Uh, and the district attorney, I mean, the prosecutor, I mean, from Cobb County that was appointed to the case,、um, she she is an African American woman,、um, and her name is,、uh, I think, Joyette Holmes. Uh, was appointed to look over the McMichael、uh, father and son case, and so I think the proper steps are being taken、uh, to conduct justice、uh, and bring about what we can do as a civilized society to bring justice to a hateful, violent murder.、Uh, let's just call it what it is: it's murder. Yeah.、Um, yeah. And I think that's what needs to be done.、Uh, let's bring justice. Let's let's bring the people who committed this crime to justice.、Um, mm. For the George Floyd case, I know it's so fresh, so raw.、Uh, we're recording this on sorry to give it away on a Thursday, and it happened、uh, just a few days ago.、Uh, so we we have to kind of let it unfold and play out. But I know、um, the mayor of Minneapolis already fired the four police officers, and and the one who actually. Held George Floyd down.、Um, the mayor was talking about bringing criminal charges against him,、uh, and so if that's what needs to be done, that's what needs to be done. Like you know,、yeah. um, if there is a hateful murder that happens,、uh, the price needs to be paid.、Um, mm. So let's bring them to justice.、Um, yeah. Yeah. So that would be my response to these situations,、um, and, and keep it kind of right there. Um, uh, let's. Take the victim. Let's take the suspects. Prosecute them to the best of our ability that our country can,、um, and bring them to justice. Present the evidence for what it is. Yeah, and and for sure, you said this.、Uh, we were texting about this earlier, but also stand by the victims,、um, and like mourn with them. Of and, course. Yeah.、Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, those families, you gotta feel for them. For sure. Um, mm. So with what we so with with all that said,、um, in the future, hopefully,、um, you know, we we pray that nothing like this happens again. But、yeah. in the case that there is, how do you think the Korean American Church should respond? Like, what 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 do you think the unified response of the Korean American Church should be to something like this that happens again in the future? Yeah, you know.、Um I think it's, it's, yes, it's our neighbors, our African American brothers and sisters are our neighbors, and、um, and for Ahmad's family, their plight is not something that we should ignore.、Uh, it's not something that we should just dismiss.、Um, it should be something that、uh, we unify around, 
um, and, and really care for. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to be thoughtful in what I say right now because it's, it's yeah. going to get dicey. But, you know, we haven't had a very racially tense or, I mean, not since L.A. in 91, 92, um, but we haven't had a situation where an Asian American or a Korean American was kind of put in a situation similar to Ahmad's. And so we're not going to understand exactly apples to apples what it feels like and what, what they're going through. Um, and I know part of the response right now with all the anger and all the kind of um, protests and the rioting and things that are going on is that there is this idea that um, African-Americans in general as a whole are being systematically um, uh, discriminated against racially profiled um there are racist people out there the white majority is doing everything they can to to keep down and oppress uh, uh, black people in the community um and so korean americans don't understand that that well um but mm. if ever a situation like that happened uh we need to be very thoughtful and think about what the african-american community or i don't want to generalize but let's just say Ahmad Arbery's family is going through so that uh, one day, if ever, hopefully it never happens, um, a Korean American young man were to be killed in kind of a hateful, racially profiled kind of way, um, then, you know, we would have a sober yet thoughtful response that seeks justice solely for the the perpetrators rather than kind of putting out this megaphone of, uh, you know, America's hating Asian people worldwide or, or mm. across the board kind of thing. Um, so that we don't have a kind of hysterical response uh, that's along the lines of something like this, you know. Mm. You know, I, I really want to say it's, it's a matter of personal responsibility that we need to be thinking about. Um, I pray that we would take moments like this to reflect on not only with the African-American community, not only with the majority white Caucasian Anglo-American community, um, but with Hispanic Latino communities, with other groups within the Asian kind of um, spectrum as well. Like there's always tensions between Asians as well, like that we would think yeah. about like how can we be peacemakers rather than people who are. Uh, perpetuating the tension and the anger between groups of people senselessly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a kind of a long-winded way to say, I think Korean Americans, first of all, you just need to be informed. Um, you need to be thoughtful, um, be sensitive, uh, and consider what would happen if that was your son. How would you feel if it was your son or your husband or, or your grandson? Um, and then, go through that go through faith uh through jesus christ and and see what you would want to do how would you want to be comforted how would you want to receive blessing and love and comfort from other people yeah mm. so yeah and i think the key there is especially for maybe our parents generation um to be informed right you can't really speak on anything if you don't know what's happening and you know, I think that's been one of the criticisms that I've been seeing on 
So I will say this. I have been seeing a lot more discussion about the Asian American voice um, mm-hmm. like this time around way more than in the past. And one of the self-criticisms that I see of Asian Americans giving our, you know, criticizing the Asian American community for is that we tend to kind of silo ourselves in this country and care only about what's happening to us and not really paying attention to what's happening outside of our communities. Yeah. But yeah, like, like you were saying, to be loving neighbors because the other minorities, even white America, right, is our neighbor. So in order to be loving neighbors like we're commanded to do, we, we need to be informed about what's happening um, to, you know, extend a helping hand when needed. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. No, definitely. Um, so uh, what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another question that uh, another thing I wanted to bring up is. I totally understand the kind of angry, like the righteous anger, um, kind of the, how, how do I put this correct? I don't, I'm, I'm very, I'm being very careful about how I put this too. Um, mm. but the, I understand the anger that people are expressing, right? It, it's, mm-hmm. it's very sad, you know, um, I, I would be very upset and angry if someone that I knew was, um, in that position, uh, like George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery, and, and killed like senselessly. Um, but one thing that I have been seeing is in that outburst of anger, people have been trying to focus that anger at a target. Mm-hmm. And instead of keeping that target as the suspects, like you were talking about, um, I've been seeing it kind of having a splash effect, right? So the first time around, with Ahmad Arbery, um, one criticism that I had for kind of the mainstream news media was that they were very adamant and, mm-hmm. and very specific in pointing out the fact that um, the shooter, the the old, the father, the McMichael's father, was uh, ex cop, mm-hmm. and that he was a white supremacist. Right. So mm-hmm. it kind of in that moment, I felt like there was a target being painted on like policemen and white people. Yeah. And again, again with this scenario um, with George Floyd, um, I mean it's it's a it's a cop that committed the murder, but there's everyone's very uh, they're very purposefully pointing out, you know, oh the other cop that was kind of watching was an Asian American, yeah, right. So there, I I feel like that's like I feel like it's very dangerous, yeah, um, to because like we. Both you and I, we personally have friends who are police officers. Yeah. And they're very good people. Um, they don't break the rules. They're not corrupt in any sense of the word. Um, but now they, there's like um, our friend, he actually sent me a, a, a photo today of him having to wear extra body protect, like body armor because of the protests right. that are happening in Minneapolis. Um, so right. what are, am I... Do you feel like I'm correct in thinking that that's dangerous to do, or is that an okay response from the people to to say things like, "Oh, the police officers are are bad," or, or like these Caucasian people, they're they're inherently bad? I mean, my response again would be personal responsibility is where we need to be focused on, as you were saying, mm. the suspects, the perpetrators. We need to be focused on them to paint generalizations and and broaden it to a scope 
um, it, it's that that exercise is self defeating. Like it, like it, it really is self defeating. Like, for instance, like you may think that in America the white majority oppresses all the minorities, but in smaller sections, when you take a, a closer look, like. There are always going to be subsets of people who are the majority versus the minority. Like what we should, as believers, whether it's Asian American or any Christian,、uh, you should be thinking about how, when people who are in a supposed majority take their authority in that stance and then use that to dominate and and really oppress other people, that's what we should be angry about. And that's what we should be righteously angry about, not this like broad sweeping generalization of things. For instance, like you know, if you go in certain communities,、uh, the white population is not the majority.、Uh, maybe like let's say the Asian population is a majority. Like let's say Chinatown in like New York City or L.A. somewhere or San Francisco. Like the majority population is going to be Chinese.、Uh, it's going to be Asian. And in those communities, how do Asians, as a majority, how do they serve? How do they deal with? How do they interact with people of different ethnic groups? Because in a situation like that, I mean, where the majority is not white, they could be oppressors easily as well.、Yeah. Uh, and, and so, going back, I know、uh, the conversation that we're trying to have is kind of a white-black conversation. But you go to some cities, some areas, there might be a black majority, and in that area, let's say a neighborhood that's a ten by ten radius, okay, like ten blocks by ten blocks, in a in a ten by ten block where let's say the African American population is the majority,、uh, how are they treating others、uh, of a different ethnic group, a different race, you know, and are they being fair, you know, are they being kind? Or are they being oppressive? Are they being demeaning? You know, are they being racist、uh, against white people, black people,、uh, uh, Asian people, or Latino people? You know,、uh, so if you take the conversation to this, this group versus this group, that that conversation is going to be self defeating because right now the conversation that people want to have. Especially in mainstream media, is white people are the majority and they're oppressing black people.、Mm-hmm. So black people across the board are all victims. Okay, but you go into a black neighborhood where a white kid is struggling to survive and make it. So then, in that situation, can you not call the white kid a victim of racism?、Mm-hmm. Like that, that the, the whole conversation when you. Group people together, it's self defeating, and I know,、uh, I I know. I, I mean, I've listened to political commentary. I've tried to be thoughtful and listen to both sides of the conversation. You know, to be honest, I'm just putting it out there. I consider myself to be really moderate,、uh, so I like listening to、uh, both the liberal, progressive, and conservative kind of talk. And and a lot of the progressive liberal talk, they always talk about well, you can't use that example of how. Black people can't be victims in America because no other group in America has gone through slavery like us, and because you have you're not the descendants of slaves in this country,、um, 
you don't get to because if you're not black, then you don't get to have an opinion or a say in what we're going through. You don't know what we're going through. And to that, I would say, number one, if just because you're a black, you're being discriminated against, I would stand on your side 10 out of 10 times and say, that's wrong. That's mm -hmm. wrong. But then to live inside a victim mentality, like you don't know what I go through and I can't ever, you can't ever feel what I feel. I, I would say no, because historically, like let, let's just put it out there. Everyone across the whole world has been a slave of someone at some point in history. Okay. Mm -hmm. At some point in history, if you're of European descent, you were a slave of Romans, Greeks, maybe Egyptians even, and maybe even the Persians and the Ottoman Empire. If you're from Far East, you, you have been a slave. Your descendants were a slave of the Mongols or the Chinese or the Japanese at some point in your history. Like, mm -hmm. and, and in the African countries, they're still in that phase where, where there's a lot of infighting and civil war and all this stuff. So like the, the level of oppression is, everyone has had it across the board. Like every racial group has been oppressed by another race sometime or another through history. So to, to say, because you're not black in America, you don't get to have an opinion about it. I, I think we can throw that out. It doesn't make yeah. sense. It, it really doesn't make sense. Let, let's talk about here and now. Let's talk about, once again, the suspects themselves. And let's talk about bringing them to justice rather than creating this big idea of what it is or it isn't. Um, you know, it, it's hard to have this conversation without people getting mad. I understand. It's a very touchy, emotional subject for a lot of people. Um, but... If we were to all agree, let's just see people as people, you know, colorblindedly, yeah. you know, and, and even even as I say that, I know a lot of people on the progressive left would say that's an offensive comment. Like you offend me by taking away my rights as a uh, Asian American, as a uh, Latino American or even African American. Um, but how can we. You know, not all. African-American people think the same way, just as not all Asian-American people think the same way. So how can we group groups together and pin them against other groups when we even within ourselves don't all think the same way? Like, hmm. it just doesn't make sense to me that we would go down that path of thinking that way. Yeah, um, I, I think I, I totally agree with that. And that's why I think kind of this comparative suffering is ridiculous you know when people say you haven't gone through the level of suffering i have like so that nullifies your suffering i think that's that's weird because suffering is supposed to be personal to everybody right like yeah for me suffering might be i'm not able to pay the bills but for my daughter is suffering is i'm not able to reach you know the piece of cake on the that floor I that really i want <laughs> yeah right like my because my suffering is in my perspective greater that doesn't nullify the fact that she's suffering right so yeah I, I totally agree with what you're saying and i actually even take it a step further i i don't this is going to be really controversial and my wife always warns me against saying controversial things on this podcast <laughs> yeah so sorry shirley but i i think it's bad i don't think it's a good idea when um, people apologize 
for their race. Like um, something I've been seeing a lot is uh, Caucasian people trying to be allies and support um, the black community. They keep saying, I'm so sorry for my race. I'm so sorry for my race. Yeah. And I've seen Asian Americans do that too. Um, condemning what, what Officer Tao, is that yeah. his name? His, uh, Tao. Yeah, uh, he, he was just standing by as George uh, Floyd was uh, getting was basically being murdered. Um, I right. see a lot of Asian Americans saying, I, I apologize for, you know, for my uh, Asian brother or whatever. Like, I, I, I apologize on his behalf because an apology, I think, implies responsibility. I'm not responsible mm. for what Officer Tao did. Um, other white people, they're not responsible for. Is it, is it the McMichaels? Yeah, the McMichaels. Yeah. Yeah. Other like my Caucasian neighbor, they had nothing to do with what the McMichaels did. Yeah, and in the same way, um, you know, racists who think like black people are bad because they had some sort of experience, mm. like you can't transfer uh, an experience that you had with someone onto someone else simply because they had the same skin color, right? So, right. I think it's I think it's self defeating. I, th- I think it's counter to what we're trying to do. We're trying to say you can't generalize based on race, um, and that's what we're fighting against, right? Um, the, so so much of the systemic racism injustices we're talking about is based on the fact that there's a higher like the white oppressive class is suppressing black people simply because they're black, right? Mm-hmm. So in that same vein, I don't. I definitely I would not have done what Officer Tao did so i'm not going to take responsibility for that and therefore i'm not going to apologize for that he has nothing to do with me and so um when when those apologies happen i i think it's weird like, i personally think it's not a, it's not good um i don't want to perpetuate this um somehow because we're one race we're responsible for what everyone else does because that arms the racists even more if, if a yeah. racist uh, was robbed by a black guy then they have all the like in that mentality they have every reason to go on hating black people right mm. so in order to fight against that i i don't so i would i would say that let's not apologize for people just because you're you have a common skin color as them um, I, I think you can feel bad i think you can extend condolences mm. and say you know we're mourning with you but if you have if you're not related or to the situation then you have nothing to apologize for is that is that too harsh to say? You know, to be sensitive and careful of my words too. Again, um, if you if you are a person who buys into the conversation of groups versus groups, one group discriminating against the other, then what you just said is going to be offensive to them. But if you don't subscribe to that way of thinking, then what you said just makes total sense. To go back to my story again that I prefaced earlier, at three and a half, four years old, I saw my father get beat senseless in front of me on a street by three African-American men. Mm-hmm. They were African-American. Now, I'm not going to go up to all my African-American friends and be like, hey, apologize on behalf of your people to me. Because mm-hmm. that was a traumatic event for me. And that was a real crime. That assault had, had tremendous effects on, on my development as a young person in america i mean i'm not gonna do that that to me that sounds ludicrous like it it sounds ridiculous like i have neighbors to to my left who are african-american i'm not gonna walk up to their door and be like apologize on behalf of your people like and and so much in the same way as you're saying i agree with you that i'm not going to be sitting here 
uh, apologizing for somebody else's actions. Now, if somebody has a gripe against me personally, those are the things I will take personal responsibility for. And I will apologize if that needs to happen. You know, if that's the situation, you know, um, I'm not trying to turn the conversation, but a lot of Korean Americans own businesses. Like if you go to Koreatown and things like that, where a lot of the workers and things like that are of different race, whether they're black, Latino, Hispanic, doesn't matter, you know. And, and there have been a lot of stories where Korean Americans take advantage of people of different minority races. Um, but I wasn't one of them. I didn't do that. I'm not going to mm -hmm. apologize on behalf of, you know, so-and-so business owner who treated so-and-so employee very, very badly or underpaid them and, and, and did some shady things with, you know, I, anyway, that's another story yeah. for another day. But yeah. I'm not going to apologize on their behalf. You know, that's their personal actions that they need to take personal responsibility for. You know, much to say that, too, is like um, in the scope of all these things to, to keep broader historical perspective sometimes would i think help the conversation um mm. and, and to not make this like a all of a sudden 90 degree turn into a spiritual realm but christians in the early church face a lot of oppression and discrimination from the roman government um like there was an incident uh in in rome where a couple of emperors claudius and nero uh, Claudius wasn't as mean as Nero, but Claudius just kicked all the Jews and Christians out of Rome. And, and so we find out a lot of one of the one of the people that we're actually going to talk about this week is Priscilla and Aquila. They were thrown out of Rome. They were sent out of Rome from where they grew up and where they were living um, because of this kind of racial discrimination. Um, but in that moment, God had a plan for them. And God used that kind of oppression uh, for their good. Because along the way, they met this guy named Paul, who was on fire for Jesus and started planting churches wherever he went. Priscilla and Aquila just happened to be in the same trade. They, they had the same skill as Paul and became partners with Paul. And they became critical key figures in the growth of the church. Um, to back it up to Roman history again with the, with the Christians, uh, Nero came along and there was a great fire in Rome. And um, a lot of historians believe that he set the fire to kind of take control of the city. But a lot of the blame came on him. So he shifted the blame by putting it on these weird Christians, these people who uh, worship a guy who died on a cross, but supposedly came back to life. So he blamed Christians. So he would round up the Christians. Uh, he would burn some at a stake. He would, take, he would behead a lot of them, put their heads on a stake, and use their heads, light their heads on fire um, as, as lights along the path. They would, he would throw a lot of the Christians into um, animal like dens and be torn apart by beasts. And so they faced tremendous discrimination that is like by far on a greater scale than what we see in modern day. I mean, thankfully, society has progressed since that time. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, even in our oppression of one another, it's been, you know, I, I'm not belittling the oppression that people are, are experiencing today, but it's not like there's, there's, you're being fed to the wolves or the lions, you know, uh, things like that. 
Um, but all that to, I'm saying all this to say, Scripture in, from the Bible uh, would tell us, even in the face of all that persecution, the Christians, they held on to their faith, and their response was to honor the emperor, uh, which is crazy, right? Uh, I'm just going to read one thing here. Um, in, yeah. in the book of 1 Peter, uh, the apostle Peter tells us in verse I mean, 13 through, 14, uh, 13 through 18, he says, Be subject to the Lord's sake for, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. In verse 17 of 1 Peter 2, he says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. I mean, like for him to say that when his fellow brothers in Rome are being persecuted on that kind of level, it shows you that our response doesn't have to go to this very uh, carnal, very reactive response of saying it's this group against that group and this against that like let's be sensible let's under the lord understand that god is sovereign he's in control um ultimately the victory is going to be found with those who stand with christ so let's not overstep our bounds in our righteous anger and push it that far Let's take the sober-minded approach of things and say, for those who are perpetrators of hate and violence, yes, you will be called to justice. But to paint broader pictures and, 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 and cast bigger kind of initiatives into realms that you shouldn't be going into, let's not take that step. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of... Just, I, I know we talked about a lot of different kind of aspects of this, but if, if I were to boil it down, what I, I think we're saying is the response, um, and again, we'll keep it specific, the response of the Korean American church should yeah. be um, yeah, very specific to you know, the perpetrators. I mean, if there is like systemically something wrong, so... Um, one, one thing I talked about with my police officer friend is I asked, mm -hmm. I asked him, is it protocol to you know have your knee on the neck of a guy who's on the floor like that? And he said, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, if if he's fighting, you, you can do that to subdue them. But once they're in cuffs, like there's no reason to do that. And he said he like royally screwed up. He should not have been doing that. So, but if the protocol was you can keep your knee on uh, someone's neck for as long as you want to, then I think we target, you know, our righteous anger to that protocol, you know, the, that systemic issue there. Um, but to, without really knowing, saying all police officers are corrupt or all white people are out to oppress the minorities, I think that's um, counterproductive. And so, um, like the response should be specific to the perpetrators of the hate and evil. Yeah. And, uh, and on the other side of that, we should, cause we talked about this a lot too. We, we should, um, seek to console and to stand with the people who are feeling lost and who are mourning deaths of, you know, sons, daughters, brothers, fathers. Um, but 
I one thing I learned with talking with you today is I'm I tend to be kind of a impatient guy sometimes um, mm-hmm. internally. I don't always show it, but like I want things to like happen and move. And so sometimes I I, I see these things happen, and when I see a delay in the response of like some of the church leaders, I I start getting antsy. Like why aren't they saying anything? Uh, mm-hmm. But after talking to you today, Pastor John, um, I, I now understand and see that the time. Um, to like really sit and think about and formulate a like you know, seeking wisdom and formulating a wise response is important. Um, like that gives me new perspective and makes me and helps me to understand. Oh, that's why that's why sometimes there's a delay, and mm-hmm. I should not be upset about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's like I was saying, leaders are in many many forms. Um, it comes in different shapes and sizes. Uh, the church is not just the only institution that Asian Americans or Korean Americans follow. Um, mm-hmm. There are business leaders. There are community leaders. Um, there are, like yourself, husbands and fathers, uh, and and all these people are put in positions of leadership, um, and so their leadership carries weight and influence. And uh, to misuse or abuse that leadership. I think would be the, yeah, it would be the 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 saddest part of anything like this. Um, so you mm-hmm. just have to be wise. Um, you have to be thoughtful. You have to be careful um, because your words are going to carry weight more than just being an individual. Uh, you're speaking to people who are looking to you uh, to try to follow your lead on things. Um, so be thoughtful. Be careful. Um, and I would just. Put it out there. Um, I believe that everyone is a leader. I believe that everyone leads other people, uh, whether you're, you know, um, within a group of friends. You know, you maybe you have a group of friends uh, that you're very close with. Uh, your opinion matters to them, uh, so what you say matters and what you think matters. Um, and so, even within within social groups, social circles. Um, these kinds of things need to be thought out before spoken of. Um, it's good to have friends that you can be maybe be completely honest with to throw ideas back and forth to hone your perspective and kind of narrow down what it is that I truly believe or don't believe. Um, so I would advise and recommend that people have those kinds of exercises where you approach mm-hmm. your closest friends and say, "Hey." I'm feeling this way about George Floyd this week, but I don't know if it's right. Before I sit here and argue my case and be stubborn and selfish and say this is the way that people should think, this is the way that you should think about it. Let's just have the approach of humility and say, "I'm having these thoughts. I just want to run it by you guys because you're my trusted close group of friends or you're my family and." Let's have a conversation about it. Let's see if we can inform each other about some of these things before I just go to Twitter and put it out there. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and so just just be thoughtful um, because it is a sensitive issue. There's there's lives that were lost, and there's lives that will be changed forever. Um, crime in this country is a real thing, um, and yeah. uh, unfortunately, a disproportionate amount of crime. Is kind of experienced within the African American community. Um, that is just true. Like you can check the FBI facts. Like a lot of homicides 
armed robberies, burglaries, assaults happen within the African-American community. Now, whether it was done by other groups towards African-Americans or from African-Americans to other African-Americans, you know, that's beside the point. Um, but hmm. it's a sensitive t topic because there's lives that would be forever changed. Um, so for all of us, uh, especially Korean-American church, uh, we need to have a thoughtful conversation, be informed, let us, let, let us truly talk about it with one another, and then put out a response that is glorifying to God and brings justice and healing and comfort to those who are mourning. For sure. And I think we do need to realize the power in the things that we say, because the Ahmad Arbery case, that happened in what, like February? Yeah, it or, happened in February. And then the, the story didn't pop until like, what, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and it wasn't until a national outcry that you know, persecutors were assigned and all these kind of things happened, right? So mm -hmm. there is power in, you know, the people, like in what we say. Right. But if we wield that power negatively, then it can have negative effects. So it, I'm, not, I'm not saying that this is the case, but let's, for instance, say, you know, Officer Tao, he did nothing wrong. He was following protocol as it was explained to him, and he did everything that he should have done. Like... That man's life is ruined now. Um, he's been fired. Uh, I don't know. He's probably not going to be charged. Um, but like, if it was the case that he did nothing wrong, um, his life has detri There's been an extraordinarily detrimental incident in his life that that'll never leave him. Right. So, um, if we acted rashly and there was a national outcry that was not well informed and that was not well thought out, it can have negative effects on innocent people so um that, i also want to say that don't let's understand the power that our words have and so it's okay to take a minute and think about it and um have a informed response i but i oops i do think one thing though is an immediate response that you can you can have is mm. the 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 you know the being sad and like mourning with the victims. Of course. Like I, I think that's an immediate response that you can have. But if you're going to talk beyond that, I think you do need to be very wise about what you're saying and what you're putting out there. Because like you were saying, um, even people like me, like we do have our social circles where you know we, we might have some influence. So everyone is a leader in some aspect. Um, so yeah. But I don't, um, this is a conversation that I definitely don't want to cut short. Um, it, it, so we are past the hour mark, but I, I, before we, we close it out, I want to ask you, was there any aspect of this that you wanted to touch on that we, we didn't get to hit? Yeah, I mean, just going off the last question, David, um, mm -hmm. you know, I know, I, I actually, I want people to be passionate about things in the world mm -hmm. and and let mm -hmm. us all be people who are constructively building and prospering and and supporting our civil uh, society like I, I want people to be active in that process but if you have a passion for something if, if situations like this cause you to kind of want to step into the kind of social justice arena of things um, I would just tell people and encourage people before you step in, um, like whether it's start a movement, uh, start a, a um, like a sponsorship kind of donation based kind of 
support system, uh, whether you want to go out and start a nonprofit even, you know, have a clear goal of what you want to do before you start and let that mm-hmm. goal be specific. Like, let's say, just take this case. Let's say I want to fight racism in our country and you're like, oh, I'm going to go start a nonprofit. Well, stopping racism in individuals all across 350 million people, that's just not a realistic goal. Okay. Yeah. So uh, if you want to take that kind of initiative and start something, let's say your angle is uh, police and community relationship. Well, even if you want to do and build something that that kind of reinforces and supports and strengthens the the relationship between uh, local authorities and and the common citizen, like have a very specific goal of what it is that you want to do within that realm even before you start that. I feel like so many mm-hmm. times people get passionate about things without really seeing what the clear picture should be. And then they just go into it. And then it just starts going in directions that it shouldn't go into. Like, mm-hmm. I know this is a very off-handed um, uh, example, but like, let's say you want to end hunger in America. Okay. Like, so just to go out and, and try to end hunger in America, that's like, that's an unrealistic task. But let's say in just in your city, you look at the data and the statistics and you find out that there are about, I don't know, somewhere between 5 to 10% of the population that it is truly hungry, living under some poverty line. All right. Well, within even that 5 to 10% have a specific goal. Let's say in one community, in one city, or in one block of a neighborhood, that's where I'm going to target. Like, and, and then go from there. Instead of having this kind of nebulous, kind of big idea of where I want to go, and then just, just without having a clear vision of where you want to take it. Now, I say this to say, uh, the reason why I bring this up is there are a lot of very, very good kind of um, groups and organizations that are out there uh, that are trying to ease and work out racial tensions in America. Like Mm -hmm. there are big organizations that are trying to do this. But here's a problem with organizations like that. If they don't have a clear goal of of specific checklist items that they want to accomplish, they end up falling into this trap of, hey, if there are no sensationalized in mainstream media, like a white cop killing a black guy kind of story out there, they feel like they don't have anything to do. Like, like their cause mm. is being diminished because it's not being sensationalized. Mm. They need something to be sensational in order to be out there, in order to feel like they're doing something productive. When that shouldn't be the case. You shouldn't have to have some sensationalized story, which is real, as we've been talking about the whole time. It's real to George Floyd's family. Okay, so if you want to help out that cause specifically, then go for it. Like if you want to help out that family and that community, then go for it. But they're taking it to other levels that benefit their cause without it having to be that way. They don't need to blow it up into a situation that it isn't and amplify mm. it to a perspective that it needs to get to in order for them to feel like they have a, uh, a louder voice to do something. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's just what I would say is be passionate about what you're passionate about, your convictions. Um, think through them carefully uh, and really weigh out what your values are versus what your morals are and what your principles are because uh, they're all different. Um, and, and live with that passion. But when you take action, be specific in your action. Don't just have a general, hey, we're going to go knock down this system that is wrong. As you were pointing out earlier, like in police protocol, if that is mandated, then we can take specific legal action against that. But we don't need to set up an organization that wants to bring down police all across the country. Right. See the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like let's, let's, let's take a specific, so specific things and, and deal with one of those things at a time. Yeah, that's yeah. where I would... Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's where I would say just, just use wisdom and be smart. Yeah, yeah. And, and to then just kind of tie a bow on this podcast, um, one thing I want to make clear, very clear to everybody, because I feel like I've said things that can be taken out of context. We mourn with uh, Ahmad Arbery's family. We mourn with uh, George Floyd's family. Senseless, senseless deaths that didn't need to happen. Mm-hmm. And so we like, we our hearts really cry out for them. Um, but what we were talking about the criticisms that we were talking about is using kind of being opportunistically using those situations to further different agendas for example um, people who are just blindly going after police saying all police officers are corrupt or blindly going after white people saying all white people are corrupt that's kind of productive and that's kind of the criticism that we had um we were discussing on this podcast but in in the in regards to kind of the Korean American church's response, um, what I've kind of heard throughout this podcast is that we should definitely show our condolence. We should mourn with them and we should you know, show and vocalize how sad we are um, and, and how unfortunate the situation is first and foremost. But um, it's okay to take a little bit of time to formulate our thoughts and wisely, you know, um, display whether it's righteous anger or not or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, speak to that in wisdom. But along with that, I wanted to ask you a question. Yes. Is it the people of the church that you think should be vocal or is it just the leaders that you think should be vocal? Um, for me, it's always been a combination. Um, hmm. I mean, even if you're not the leader in the church, you are a member of the church um, and mm-hmm. your place in that church, in that group is just as vital and important and revered and honored just as any pastor or someone in leadership, their position is honored and revered. Um, mm. So everyone has a voice. Um, and, and that's true from scripture as well. Like it's true from what Jesus' sacrifice was meant to be. It's not just meant mm. for the head of the family. It's meant for the whole family. Uh, so mm. every part of the family should speak um, and, and voice those kinds of things. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's true that everyone's voice is maybe weighed out and, and, and received a little bit differently. Um, but nonetheless, it, it should be vocalized uh, throughout, throughout the spectrum of people, not just the head or just the leader. Hmm. That's good. Then, then our, our prayer uh, for our community is to, uh, for everyone to have wise responses that is vocalized um, to their community um, for situations like this. So yeah, 
guys, uh, I know we, t- we talked about a lot of things today. Um, and it's some of the things were, you know, kind of dicey, uh, like uh, Pastor John put it. Um, so mm-hmm. if, if you guys have any thoughts, um, if you disagree with something that we said, maybe um, I, I really hope that this po- podcast can incite civil, peaceful and thoughtful dialogue. Um, so I would love to talk to anybody who might have opposing views or opposing thoughts with anything I might have said or, you know, have, you know, other nuances they want to add to kind of what we were talking about, whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah, please feel free to give me some feedback at ihthtpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at I hope they hear this or on Twitter at ihthtpodcast. Um, and I, I'm really hoping to keep being to keep this dialogue going. Um, because I, I want it to be normalized within the Korean American church and that um, I'm hoping that we can all stay informed with uh, things like these incidences or, or, you know, let's just call them for what it is, these murders, mm-hmm. um, that we can stay informed and knowledgeable on so that we can, you know, vocalize our thoughtful responses. So, uh, Pastor John, thank you so much for being on with me today. Um, My pleasure. I know you have three kids and you have a, very young newborn so i know dad duties are you know overwhelming right now but (laughs) yeah to all the listeners out there about a half hour ago if you heard a baby crying in the background (laughs) that was my newborn daughter uh but i apologize for that but um it's a reality of life babies are gonna cry so yeah so sorry but not sorry (laughs) no no don't be don't be sorry don't be sorry so uh yeah again thank you for being on and for the listeners thank you so much for listening and uh Yeah, let's keep this dialogue going. I will talk to you next time. Bye. Okay, I stopped the Zoom recording and I...